the eye of the storm. We can all relate to that song. We feel like we're in the midst of a storm. We're in week two of our series we're calling Go. We're learning how to deploy from confinement. Truth is, many of us, we feel like we're in the midst of a storm. We feel confined today. March 31st, Governor Ducey enacted a uh, a stay-at-home order, and so we've been cooped up for the last 33 days. 33 days is a long time, amen? Amen. But I can raise the 33 days. I can triple the 33 days because back in 2012, Team Lipinski, a family of six, we were cooped up for 99 days in a 32-foot travel trailer. Worse yet, we were cooped up for 99 days in a 32-foot travel trailer in the God-forsaken land of Michigan. All the people from Michigan just tuned off our broadcast. God said, go to Michigan. So we moved to Michigan. I was leaving a church in, in uh, California, a church of 1,500, to go to this big, big church of 8,500 people in Michigan, right? God was saying go, and I thought he was saying go so that I would go and fix the church. Not the case. So here's what happened. I got to Michigan, and we stayed, you know, a few weeks in our camper, a few weeks turned into 99 days. The problem was is that the place we were staying, the campgrounds, didn't have sewage hookup. They had all the other hookups, but they didn't have sewage. And so I had to buy one of these. Now, this has a whole lot of names. I'm not going to share all the names for this, okay? But we can just call it a waste hauler. So imagine, can't find a home. The humidity of, of a Michigan summer. And I'm out there like Cousin Eddie, emptying the Lipinski waste into this thing and hauling it, hence the name waste hauler. And it gets really heavy too, by the way. Hauling this all the way down, a quarter mile down to the dump site. Now, because we were in Michigan, the dump site was the river. That's a joke. Uh, is there a ha-ha emoji? I mean, laugh, y'all. Okay, it was a joke. Okay? No, there, it, there was a dump site, and I had to haul it all the way down there. And as I hauled it down there, me and God had a whole bunch of conversations. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, you told me to go. You told me to go. And did, did I get this wrong, or did you get this wrong? You know, I can't find a home. Things are challenging. You know, what, what's going on? You know, I was, I was doubting my goal. And little did I know that this waste hauler was a metaphor for the work that God was doing in my heart. You see, the real waste he was trying to get rid of was my pride. Amen. I thought I was there to fix the church. And God says, no, 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 no. Oh, wow. I'm using the church to fix you. Here's the big idea. Goes need redirected. Sometimes our goes, they need redirected, right? I mean, sometimes our goal gets just a little bit skewed, a little bit off course. And so God will use a diff- difficult situation to realign our goal. We're going to learn... Uh, we're going to look at a guy today whose go was all out of whack. I mean, he, Paul, his name is Paul, also known as Saul. Same name. If, when you read Paul and Saul in the New Testament, it's the same guy. Uh, Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Roman name. And his go was way off course. And so God's going to use a, a very powerful moment to redirect his go. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. You see, he, he uh, felt like Jesus was a phony, like a lot of the Jews did. They thought he was a false prophet, a false Messiah. And so he was going there. He was going around the ancient world 
finding these Christians, people that belonged to the way, followers of Christ, and he would imprison them, take them back to Jerusalem and imprison them. He was a mean guy. So he went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that he found any who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go. There's the go. Go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Lord, thank you for this powerful story and this powerful example of how you redirect our goes. God, help us receive truth today from God's word and help us align our go with your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. First, first truth I want to point out from this story, and it should give us all hope, is that wayward goes are redeemable. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you messed up. I don't care what it looked like or how bad it made you feel. Wayward goes, by the grace and goodness of our God, are redeemable. And here comes Paul and his posse with papers from the high priest rolling and strutting in to Damascus. You know, na, 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 na. I mean, he was a bad man. He was feared by all. He's coming in there with a little strut saying, I'm on a mission from God, like the blues buzz, right? The problem was he wasn't on a mission from God. That was his mission. If you read verse two, it says, he went, he went to Damascus. God didn't tell him to go to Damascus. He chose his own mission. He chose his own go. His mission was to take down a church. God will never send you on a mission to do that. And so Paul was hauling baggage into Damascus, and he didn't even know he was hauling it. What was his baggage? Unbelief, right? He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. He thought he was doing a good thing. But truthfully, he was hauling in baggage. My question to us is, what baggage are we hauling into Damascus? I mean, what baggage did we haul into this COVID-19, this, this confinement, these 33 days? What baggage did we haul into our Damascus? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it something tucked away? Is it sin? Is it judgment? Is it shame? Oh, God could never use me. Wrong. He can use you. And, and, and Paul is living proof of that. I mean, think about this. The one guy that none of us would have picked to spread Christianity through the ancient world, the one guy we would not have picked is the very guy that, that God did pick. That should give us all hope. Praise God. Verse 15, it says, This man was my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and the people of Israel. Really, God? Him? The guy that's persecuting Christians is the one you're going to redeem? Yep. God redeems our story for his glory. Whatever your past mistakes are, whatever you've done wrong, whatever you tucked away, whatever you don't want anybody to know about, let me tell you something. God already knows about it, and he loves you. He's, he's redeeming our story. Verse 21, if you, if you jump ahead, you'll, you'll find out that the, the Bible says the people were astonished. The people in Damascus were astonished, verse 21. Verse 22 says they, he baffled the Jews in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He baffled them, man. Like, really? 
you're the one that was coming here to persecute us. Now you're a preacher, persecutor, the preacher. Like, what happened? Well, God's grace is what happened. And, and, you, and you see this story repeated out the, through the Bible so much. And we always talk about Paul and these great people of God. But we, also, we often forget other people that have the same type of story. What about Rahab? Remember Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute. You can read her story in Joshua chapter 2. But Rahab would help the Israelite spies, two Israelite spies, have safe passage and kind of scout out Jericho, right? But we don't have a song about Rahab. We got a song about Joshua, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, come on, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Well, what about Rahab? She helped fight the battle of Jericho. We got to give her a song. Rahab was the prostitute who saved the day, saved the day, saved the day. Rahab was the prostitute who saved the day, and the walls came tumbling down. You won't hear that on Caleb. No, no, no. You might hear Joshua's on Caleb, and I love Caleb. Don't get me wrong. But, but see, the world, and even Christians, we love a hero. Jesus not only loves heroes, Jesus loves the hurting. See, when Jesus looked at Rahab, he didn't see a prostitute. He saw a person. When Jesus looked at her, he saw his, 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 not damaged goods. He saw his daughter. He didn't see sin. He saw a soul, man, that was redeemable. God redeems his people. And isn't it interesting that he would use a lady of the night to save the day? Why would he do that? Why would he use her? Why would he use Paul? People To show us, to teach us something, to, to not give up on people. Not give up. Maybe it's yourself that you're giving up on. Don't give up. God is, is, is redeeming our goes. He's doing it in Kanye West. Come on, man. What God did in his life is awesome. He's still at work. He's still doing the same thing. But let me be clear. As we read scripture, we, we, we have to read the entirety of the scripture. God is not okay with what Saul was doing. In fact, in verse 4, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Isn't that interesting? He says, why do you persecute me? Right? He wasn't locking up Jesus. He was locking up Christians. But don't you know that when you persecute a Christian, you're really persecuting Jesus. I love the way Francis Chan explains this in his book, Letters to the Church. He says, anytime we gossip or slander or uh, say, speak evil against another family member of God, he says, he says it's like a sledgehammer. It's like we're taking a sledgehammer to the heart of God. I mean, that's what we do every time we gossip, when we slander. That's what we're doing. And, and, you're, and, and it's exactly what Jesus is pointing out. He says, why are you persecuting me? He says, you're doing this to me. You're breaking my heart. I see the goodness in you. I see who you're meant to be. And, and you're taking a sledgehammer to the work that I'm trying to do. That's why in Titus 3.10, Paul would later write, for a person who stirs up division after warning them once and then twice have nothing to do with them. Now, in Major League Baseball, you get three strikes. But with God, because of how serious this is and what it does to the kingdom, he says, two strikes. Now, does that mean we give up on those people? Oh, no, 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 no. And let's be honest. Let's take up, let's, let's get off our high and mighty horse. We've all been those people. I've been that person. We've all needed God's grace, right? But, but here's the thing. We don't give up on those people. But what, what he's saying is, warn them once, warn them twice, and then withdraw. Don't give up on them. They're redeemable. God's grace he loves them just as much. But pull back and give us some time. Why? Because they may need 
a Damascus Road experience. You know, God, God loves us. He's, he's contending for us. He's fighting for us. And sometimes we just need to let God do what only God can do. We pull back and we let God fight for them, knowing that he loves them. And, you know, then we're ready. We're ready to wrap our arms around them. Just like someone, when we were wayward, when I was wayward, someone was there to wrap their arms around me. See, God's grace, we, we, are, we are vehicles of God's grace. We are the distribution center of God's grace. That's who we are. Grace redirects misguided ghosts. Hear me. The grace of God redirects misguided ghosts. It's what we do. Alexander III was a czar of Russia from 1881 to 1894. His rule was marked by repression and in particular persecution of the Jews. Now his wife Maria was totally different. She was uh, full of love and, and generosity. On one occasion, her husband had signed an order consigning a prisoner to life in exile. It read, pardon impossible, comma, to be sent to Siberia. Well, Maria changed her, this prisoner's life by simply moving the comma in her husband's order. She moved the comma to say this, pardon, comma, impossible to be sent to Siberia. Isn't that cool? See, that's exactly what God did for you and for me, for all of us. His grace moved the comma in our life that stood against us. And what he's saying to us today, he's saying go. Go find a Rahab in your life. May we be a church that doesn't write the Rahabs of this world out of the story of God. God's grace is for Rahab as much as it is for John, as much as it is for Riley and so on and so forth. Fight for those people. Fight to help Redirect goes because God allows us to play a part in somebody else's go. Second point I want to point out, second truth, is goes are revealed in stages. Goes are revealed in stages. Look at verse 6. He says, now get up, Paul. Go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Okay, there's the real go, right? He didn't tell him to go to Damascus, but he did tell him to get up and go into the city. My question would be, why all the process. I mean, why all the work? I mean, God's all powerful. He could just, you know, take care of this right here, right now. Why does he want to elongate this and draw this out and say, here, I'll go there and then I'll tell you what to do then, right? I'm just, let's, let's just fix it already. That's kind of how we feel right now. We're just ready for God to, to, to do the work and be done. It's not the way God's work. Go work is often slow work. It's like my wife at the mall. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, she, she likes to take her time. Go work is slower. God's doing something. Has anybody been to the escape room? It's kind of like, you're, you know, you, you, and why we pay to be locked in a room, and I, I don't know. But, but you go there, and you get like one direction at a time. And then that one direction leads to another direction. That's kind of like the work of God. He gives us these goes and redirects our goes in stages. Why not all at once? Because we wouldn't believe him. We wouldn't believe what he was going to do if he told us what he was going to do. Because our, our little minds can't comprehend it. We can't handle the truth sometimes. Habakkuk, we were talking earlier how, how to pronounce his name, Habakkuk. He, uh, he went to God in uh, chapter 1 of Habakkuk. He went to God he said, what, what's going on? You know, what, what do you do? Can you tell me what you're going to do? To which God would respond, for I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. 
Sometimes God's doing a work that we won't believe if he tells us. A few months ago, God spoke to me. He said, John, I want you to do Easter in the park. Easter in the park. Plain as day, certain as could be, with great certainty and assuredness, I'm telling you, God spoke that to me. Okay? And so what did I do? I, I told the church, man, we're going to have Easter in the park. It's going to be awesome. You know, I could see the people. We started buying things needed for that, right? We needed to buy cameras, a, a switcher, which is a, a, a device that allows you to switch between camera shots. Uh, we had to buy lighting, cabling, right? We made an investment. Now, the good news is all this stuff goes to our new building when we get that, right? So it's, it's a one-time investment. But we had to do this on the front end to get ready for Easter in the park, or so I thought. Right. Well, COVID happened, and all of a sudden, the location was canceled. The city said, you can't have it here. I thought, well, what's going on, God? Like, you, you told me to, to go. Well, what I didn't realize is that he was preparing us to broadcast and to live stream. You see, all those cameras and all the things that we needed, you can't hardly get in. Most of those are sold out because churches are scrambling to try to learn how to live stream. Well, by the grace of God, and because he revealed that to me in a stage, he gave me a piece of the puzzle, but not the whole puzzle, because John can't handle the whole puzzle. Sorry, God, wish I could handle it, but I couldn't. And so he gave me a piece of the puzzle, knowing I could only articulate so much and comprehend so much. And so, he, so I did this, Eastern in the Park. We got everything we needed for Eastern in the Park, but it really wasn't for Eastern in the Park. It will be for Eastern in the Park next year. We'll do it next year, because God's not a liar. But let me tell you something. It was for this. It was for such a time as this. And he gave it to me in stages. We can't even, you can't even get the equipment now. God was preparing us. He, he brought us in the side door. Sometimes he uses the side door. And, and what God is doing in these times, it, it's, it's so remarkable. Uh, Dave Dummett, uh, that's his last name, Dave Dummett, he said, churches used to spend millions to reach thousands. Now churches spend thousands to reach millions. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool what God's doing in this time? I mean, I know it's tough and I know it's hard, but God is doing great things and he's doing it in stages. Skyla, one of our worshipers, sang a song, You Say, uh, last week. Now, three months ago, that would have, 700 people would have heard that. On Facebook, over 35,000 people have listened to that song about the grace of God and about God's identity. We've had people come to Christ from different states we got people watching from across the world. What God is doing, he, he knew all along exactly what he's doing. And I want to tell you, he knows what he's doing in your life as well. If someone would have came to me three months ago and said, Hey, Pastor John, did you know that you're going to be broadcasting from CCV? Now, we have new people that don't know the story. We, we normally meet over at Willow Canyon. Uh, but this, that was closed down uh, for, per, per the government orders. And so CCV was kind enough, CCV Surprise, allowing us to use their building, right? So thank you, God, for your provision. Thank you, CCV, for being kingdom-minded. But so if you'd have told me three months ago that we were, we were going to be live streaming at CCV Surprise due to a national pandemic, I would have asked you, what are you smoking? <laughs> but God knows what we can handle, so he gives us little tidbits in little stages, and he says, Go. And lastly, goes grow best in dark places. And I know we don't want to hear that. I know you're not going to throw up an amen for that probably. But it's not about what we want, is it? It's about what we need. We got a good, good father who loves us. And he knows what we need. Not always what we want. Verse 8. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. Really, God? 
Like, you're going to tell me to go, go into town, and I get up and I can't see. Would have been really helpful to have some sight, to have some vision. But let me tell you what God was doing. God was blinding him to give him sight. He blinded him physically to give him spiritual sight. See, darkness helps us see. God's light is detectable in the midst of darkness. See, what happens, a lot of times we can't see God's light because we have so much light from the world. Now, truth is, it's not really light. It's, it's a counterfeit. It's, it's darkness posing as light. We have all these distractions, all this light, and so God's trying to tell us something. We can't hear him. So what God did, God allowed the COVID-19 to come and use it as a great and mighty dimmer switch. He just dimmed the lights. He dimmed the lights so his light would be evident for us to see. He shined a light on the things he needed to shine a light on so as to redirect our go. For instance, let me ask you, is your prayer life better today? Is your prayer life or is your dependency on God better or worse today? Is your ability not to take things for granted better or worse today? For most of us, we'd probably say, those things have gotten better. Although hard, although difficult situations, we've grown. Our go has experienced growth. Friends, maybe today you feel like you're in a dark spot. I hear you. We have a lot of people who are hurting. Maybe you feel like you just want to give up or throw in the towel and say, I, I can't take it. I want to encourage you with something. God has never left you. He's never abandoned you. He's been there right with you. In fact, he's so close that the Bible says he collects our tears. Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one. Friends, there's a little bottle with your name on it. I got a bottle with my name on it. And all the tears that I've ever cried, God collected. Let me tell you something. God is not wasting one single tear. He's not wasting any of this hurt. What he is doing is good. It's producing something good. But it feels dark. It feels sometimes like we're alone. But he has caught every single one. When you, when you fell off your bike and scraped your knee in the third grade, he caught that tear. He was there with you. When you got dumped in the seventh grade, you thought your world was going to end? He was there. He caught those tears. On your wedding day, when you cried tears of joy, he collected those tears. When you had a miscarriage and you couldn't get out of bed the next day, he was there collecting those tears. Oh, and by the way, he can't wait to introduce you to your child when you get to heaven. Strength comes through weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My power is made perfect in weakness. Friends, darkness is the canvas upon which God creates his greatest masterpieces. I want to say that again because someone's not hearing me. Darkness is the canvas upon which God creates his greatest and most magnificent masterpiece. Sometimes God uses dark paint and dark strokes. But what it's producing is glorious. What it's producing, man, is beautiful. And we always can't, we can't see all the work that he's doing while we're in the midst of it. 
We have to wait till he's done. But when he's done, we can look and say, oh my Lord, look what you did in my life. Look what you did in Rahab's life. Look what you did in Saul's life. He's doing that. What's our response to the season that we're in, this challenging and sometimes dark season we're in? Here's, here's our response. We raise our hallelujah. We were praying before we, we started today, and, and we were just praying, God, let us, let us be found faithful. Let us just raise up our hallelujah. Regardless of what we're facing, regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what the situation looks like, we're going to battle. and We're in a battle. And, and God, we want to be faithful. We just want to raise them up. And the weapon, like the song says, the weapon is a melody. The, the weapon, is, what, what, what does that mean? Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was surrounded by a vast enemy. They were outnumbered. They were in big trouble. It was dark. And you know what he did when he marched into battle? He put the worship team up front. Why would you do that, Jehoshaphat? That's going to add insult to injury. You, you need the big guns up front. He said, yeah, I know. I got the big guns up front. The big guns are the worshipers. That's your weapon. That's my weapon. That's our weapon in the midst of what we're going through. Our weapon is a melody. Our weapon is, is the, the praise and, and to, to glorify the name of Jesus in, in and through this. Friends, worship wins battles. And the battlefield is the greatest opportunity to offer the most sincere, authentic, and desperate cry to God. Where we know we can't fix it apart from Him. We can't make it right only through you and by your spirit can we win this battle it's on the battlefield man that we raise up our hallelujahs and offer God the best praise you say but it's dark on the battlefield I know it's dark on the battlefield but Psalm 119 verse 105 his word is a lamp to my feet a light to my path all the light we need on the battlefield is in here the word have I hid in my heart you begin to speak truth to your situation. You begin to speak truth over your family. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the, 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 the doctors say, or what the banks say. God is in control. God is alive. God is well. And, and here's what happened. When they, when they raised up their hallelujah, God says that he set ambushes for them. Right? He set ambushes. They didn't even have to fight them. All they really had to do was worship God and keep a disposition of praise, a countenance of, uh, 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 of gratitude to God. And he did the rest. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote. He said, any fool can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when we, we can read notes by daylight, but the skillful singer is he who can sing where there is not a ray of light to read by. Sometimes we don't have a script. Sometimes our confidence monitor goes out. Now, that's the thing that we look at if we, if we forget a lyric when we're singing, you know. The confidence monitor is right here. It's right here. You take this word and you hide it in your heart. And when you're in the midst of darkness, you draw from that. You draw from God's word that you have hidden in your heart and you speak it over your situation. I'm so proud of Chachi. Chachi found out just a few days ago that he lost his job. He sent me a text that very day. That text wasn't a, 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 a text of lament. He wasn't whining about losing his job. You know what he did? He said, John, I just want to give you a heads up. Be praying for me. I lost my job. I know God's in this. I know he's in control. I know he's going to make a way. 
<laughs> and I thought, man, there's a son of God raising up a hallelujah on a really bad day. That's what it is. I'm so proud of Roger Randall. He goes to the gathering, he and his family. Roger, uh, five years ago, he received a, a double lung transplant. But recently, he's gone into rejection. They called in hospice. They say he's only got just a couple weeks to live. I went over and visited. I think, Ken, I think you went over as well. And uh, I went over and visited he and his wife, uh, Rini, and their daughter, Kim. And I got to sit with them and pray with them and just listen to him talk. Here's what he said. I wrote this down as soon as I got out of there because I was so overjoyed. He said, I'm so thankful for the life God gave me for five extra years, for the wife that stood, me, stood by me through all of this, and for my precious family. God has been so good. <laughs> With tears in his eyes, he's saying this. And so while he's saying this to me, I, I look over at Kim, his daughter, and she's watching him with tears in her eyes. And I don't know what she was thinking, but, but if I could judge by her smile, her confident smile, and her affection and adoration for her father, I would think she's saying something like, Dad, I'm so proud of the way you are living out your go. <laughs> Man, I don't know what it took to get Roger to that place. You know what I mean? Where, where, um, where he's so solid, so certain in the midst of darkness. Like, I don't know what it took for God to get his go there. How many redirections? How many course alterations? How many change of plans? How many Damascus Road experiences did Roger have to go through to have his go redirected to such a place where he could be an encouragement in his darkest hour? You see, our darkest hour doesn't have to be our darkest hour, and he knows that. That's the secret that he knows. Because if Jesus is with us, it's light as can be. It's light as we have the light of Christ with us. Friends, God's doing some work. He's doing some much needed work on us. He is using these times, these difficult and sometimes dark times, he, these some, some, sometimes confining times. He's using them to realign us, to, to redirect our goal. Friends, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know the Savior, that's doing this great work, the Savior that went to the cross to die for you and me, you can know him. You can accept him. You can make him the Lord of your life by simply saying this prayer. Say something like this. Jesus, I need you. And I believe you died for me. I believe you love me. I believe you see greatness in me. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you for making me your child from this moment on. I give you my life and I live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing in my heart right now. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Praise Jesus is right, Ken. Praise God. There are angels celebrating, and we're celebrating. If you made that decision, just let us know in the Facebook notes right now. Just a little, make a little comment. I made the decision. Also, you can reach out to us privately at connect at gatheringchurch.org. If you want to get plugged in or learn more information about the gathering, again, reach out to us at connect at gatheringchurch.org. Special thanks for all of you 
who prayerfully and financially support the work of the gathering. We are grateful we could not do it without you. Also, we want to invite you for the next 15 minutes to hang out in our virtual lobby right there on Facebook. Hang out, talk to each other, connect, share some stories, and just fellowship with each other. Well, let's go out this week and let's live out our goal. Let's raise our hallelujah, whatever we face this week, knowing that people are watching and the world needs to see the light of Christ, the hope of Christ living through our go. Have a great week. God bless.